what are, what are your thoughts on Fight Club? That sometimes, I think we lose our identity if we don't recognize that we are a man. But if we put our identity into being a man, then we lose our identity. Because that's not what we are. We're a soul. We're not a man. And so even without our sexuality from our body, our DNA, we're still a being. And um, we are a soul. And the very fact that we have this type of a body, we are a human being. And the fact that we have, um, uh, I forget whether it's because we have a Y chromosome or a man, um, uh, something like that. So I think that obviously it hit a nerve um, when the movie came out. I think it still strikes a nerve. And I think that especially in the United States in this time where, and it talked, oh, he talked a lot about losing, in fact, towards the end he says, I lost my, I'm completely lost, I lost my father, and now I've lost Tyler, and I'm all alone. And, um, but in the end, it's very interesting, because at the very end, he shoots himself in the face, Tyler dies, and yet he is a completely different person. I mean, he's just blown half his face off. He's like, oh, I'm good. he's gone through so much pain and suffering from, um, and I think it may have really started, started probably when, you know, beating himself up and everything. Um, but putting that, um, acid on that lie on his hand where he was trying to go to a peaceful place and get away from the pain. But really Tyler himself was saying, no, no, stay with the pain, stay with it. This is, this is real life. Uh, reminds me of, um, also there was, um, uh, the, Actually, one of the saints, I'm named never, St. Jose Maria Escriva, he talked about how um, pain is sometimes the only time that we actually feel alive. And C.S. Lewis said pain um, is the megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so um, the movie's about, the movie has ideas of pain, of death of identity of masculinity of purpose and life of enlightenment so there are a lot of things there i i think that a lot of that was misguided it's very interesting how in different concepts it's it's hard to get the complete truth usually it gets skewed and one way or, or the other and i think project mayhem on the completely tyler durden side was skewed i think he kind of found a middle balance of of peace but masculinity and being himself towards the end um as i watched the last few minutes where he's actually with marla he's now in kind of a real relationship before it's just sex and then and then it was nothing and she was frustrated by that then they're actually holding hands he came to realize he really cared about her. And actually, as I'm talking about this, I'm like, oh, wow, that was really, like he had no connection. He didn't like her at all. In fact, he, the first time he uh, he was going to those um, meetings and so is she. And she just irritated the heck out of him because, as he said, her lie reflected his lie. Um, and it was very interesting. The first time I met her was in, in the first group he went to was the testicular cancer group where basically all these men had had their testicles chopped off i think a real metaphor for what he's saying about men in the united states in this time and the way they feel um you know crying together and it was probably most you know bob with the big tits and and everything being you know high voice um being actually had been one of them you know he had done um steroids and, and so forth and kind of a man's man who now had tits overweight high voice and, and broke he had kind of been the height of masculinity at one point. Um, so anyway, those are some of my thoughts. How about you? <laughs> Can, you know, I don't know if you could hear me. Can you hear me? <laughs> so there's uh, that Johnny Cash song, Hurt. <laughs> I don't think I'm <laughs> Which it. It's that, it, and, and I, um, Tell me if tell me if you lose me. Can you still hear me? I can hear you now. First started talking, okay. you were like very muted, and then so that then you came that that Johnny Cash song. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. The needle tears a hole. 
the old familiar sting, try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. And, I mean, it just goes on an elaborate description. Um, But um, there's the, the, my take on the, on Fight Club, it's all about an identity crisis. Um, Basically, it's, they know something's wrong and it's almost like they're just trying to put uh, their finger on it and they can't put their finger on it but they know they don't want to die without any scars that's one of the quotes in the yep. the movie and it's, it's kind of like if you don't have anything to live for or d- if you don't have anything to die for you don't have anything to live for kind of uh, mentality and, and then there was this whole thing against materialism you're not your job you're not how much money you make you know identifying with all of those things um, and you're not special, you know, kind of all the quotes from fight club are fascinating to me because it reflects a, a very real identity crisis. And as you kind of, uh, hinted, we're all de- desensitized to it. Um, we, we go about our life and it's crazy. Our life is crazy, but we've all been desensitized to some extent and, and we're numb to it all. And so things that are downright crazy, like if we could see ourselves from an outer outside perspective, from a more psychological secure, you know, solid foundation, we would look from the outside and we would say, Oh my gosh, I never imagined. And, you know, like we were talking about some hallucinogenic, experiences kind of do that to people they you know some of the new drugs they're experimenting with um you know street drugs now but they used to be used to treat uh anxiety and depression years and years ago ellis uh ecstasy and then mushrooms and you know the special k deal that they're studying right now the street drug and they're they've realized that if they do it you know, low doses under supervision, they can get people to see a different perspective on their life. Um, but fight clubs kind of like that. It's like these people are trapped in this dysfunctional world. They know something's wrong. They kind of pinpoint it slightly, but they're, you know, you only have to be a little bit wrong to be wrong. I mean, <laughs> it's not like you could say 99% correct because that's like saying a partial truth you know there's still one percent lie in the mix and so the fighting was their way of dealing with it (laughs) it was a fascinating movie though yeah yeah absolutely um you know i thought it was interesting that we last week we talked we said we said we were going to talk about competition and fight club. And, and, and so I said, let's talk about competition. And then you talk about fight club. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about them together. I don't think I asked you what made you put those together. Um, or do, are they together in your mind or was it just on your mind in some, some of the other context of our conversation last week? And they are, I mean, we're, we're trapped in this illusion, kind of like a hallucinogen. We're the one. We're we're the ones who are hallucinating. We're we're stuck in this illusion to an extent because we're a construct. We have invented ourselves every day. We reinvent ourselves in some way. We've designed our personality and how our outlook and and our experiences have designed that. And so some of the different ways we try to fight our way out of that are the fight club mentality, the, the, the whole idea of competition. It's almost like we're trying to compete our way out of this, this boring, unacceptable version of ourself. We're trying to fight our way out of that boring, unacceptable version of ourself, trying to create you know, some kind of romantic, um, you know, dressed up image that we can 
sit back at the end of the day and say, look at me, you know, stroke our own ego, right? Stroke that ego. And sometimes I'm at, you know, courtship in terms of single people. I've watched relationships uh, from a distance. I mean, these aren't people that I know personally, but I've said, look at those two. They're stroking each other's ego. Her ego is romancing his ego. And all they're doing is basically playing with each other's ego, <laughs> stroking each other's ego, right? <laughs> to be polite, you know, you, you, it's, it's like this whole game. And, and it is a competition because that's what the ego loves the ego loves to win the the ego loves to hold on to things the ego hates to let go of things because that's weak in the mind of the ego and so competition from an ego the perspective of an ego is an unhealthy thing now there's the question of if you what if you're competing with yourself what if every day you're waking up and you're trying to outdo the you uh, of yesterday what if you're trying to be a better person than you were the day before what if that's your competition kind of like going to the gym run a little faster today on the treadmill or run a little longer um you know, people tend to say that competing with yourself is somehow healthier which you know i i suppose it could be i i don't know I mean, that's up to the individual, but I can say this for, for there to be a winner, you just, as you create a winner, you create a loser. Sometimes you create a lot of losers. There cannot be a winner without a loser. (laughs) It's impossible, right? So somebody has to lose. If I win, somebody else has to lose. If I'm first, somebody else has to be second, which by the way, I did come in second place. It's been a while, but this month in sales, I came in second place. And the the first place guy was messing with me, and I smiled, and I said, well, made some story up. I said, my psychologist told me that I have this obsession with winning, and so he told me that I have to lose as my therapy. And so I made sure that I, I did that this month. And he kind of looked at me like, are you serious? Do you see a psychologist? <laughs> Did he tell you that? <laughs> so, anyways, I, I, that's kind of how I tie it all together. I just feel like Fight Club was a, an excellent example of the chaos, the fight in general that we all face, and how we all are a little bit crazy because we after all are are constructs um the only people that can really step outside of that construct are the people who are truly enlightened and i don't think too many of those folks are around or or have even existed in time um i and and so we are in kind of a way in a bubble in this world i mean Biblically speaking, the Bible says, be not of this world. I mean, it's a bubble. It's like this bubble that we're all kind of trapped in. And it could influence influence us in unhealthy ways and create competition and ultimately lead to that whole idea of fighting, sometimes fighting ourselves, sometimes others, um, sometimes just fighting to get out from under something, a situation, an experience that we're facing. And so it seems like every day is a battle. And this one friend of mine who was a pastor, he told me, he's like, I'm not sure this idea that life is a battle is healthy. And I, for some reason, remember him saying that, you know, it's one of the things that I remember him stopping me in my tracks back then and saying, I'm not sure if looking at life like a battle is a healthy way of looking at, at it. Well, um, so I have two questions. Whenever you talk, I'm like, so where does he really stand on this? Or maybe, maybe Barbara's just like, Hey, here are my thoughts. I don't have it all figured out. Um, but here's kind of where I stand. So, um, 
and I think you know this about me. So I really like to challenge people and myself to come to a conclusion, if possible. Sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? I'm not sure. This is where I'm at. I, I haven't come to a conclusion. These are just my thoughts. I, I don't have it all figured out, but this is just where I'm at right now. But so what What are your thoughts? And I like the idea you brought in about competition um, between yourself. And one reason I, I like that, too, even with yourself, is because within the last year, I don't remember who or when, brought the idea of, because I used to think progress was, oh, yeah, you, you fight against yourself in a way of who you are to become somebody new and progress and change. But this person talked about working with yourself and actually with your body, with your subconscious to, uh, and there, I've been hearing more uh, things about this, where you promote yourself, you encourage yourself, you are um, kind to yourself. You're all these things so that you're not like in, in competition with yourself, but you are just like what I think and in, in terms of what I think is much better in collaboration with yourself. Like if it's, you know, your um, conscious mind with your subconscious I'm developing the super consciousness of working together, not fighting against yourself. And so what are your thoughts really about, do you think competition is good in like the workplace? Cause we've, we've talked a lot about the workplace and sales and stuff like that. And that's what you're just talking about coming in second place this month. And, and with yourself, how do you think that works? Do you think just, you've talked a little bit about, like, what do you, what have you come down on where you're at right now? And then also you were just, um, Oh, see, now I lost it. I focused on that too long. You were just talking about something else. I was wondering where, where you really were at on that. Do you remember what you were talking about? Well, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. I, I, I like there's that idea of opening up a discussion, opening up a conversation. It's like exploratory surgery. You just know something's wrong. Doctors just know. Something's not right. We're pretty confident that there's something wrong. We don't know what it is, and we're just gonna do exploratory surgery. We're just gonna open you up, and we're gonna we're not drawing any conclusions. And maybe they open you up, and there's no answers. There's no conclusions. They don't know where they stand. But on goes the adventure. You just start heading that way. <laughs> Like Abraham in the Bible, God just told him to go. <laughs> or on one of our earlier podcasts, the first Fight Club, which was Jacob wrestling God. <laughs> That's funny. And we talked about how, does anyone really wrestle God? And we realized that it was Jacob wrestling with himself. And so we wrestle with ourselves. You know, the Bible defines it as the carnal man, you know, <laughs> wrestling with this, these, these desires, you know, these insecurities, um, the things that lead us to envy other people, the jealousy, the everything in life that makes us feel inferior, the comparing, the competition, the fight. And the conclusions are really drawn by do we spend our life fighting or do we spend our life creating so-called good karma? Do we spend our life uplifting, edifying other people, empowering people to succeed, helping others? Um, even businesses are based on solving a problem, right? So maybe they started a business not, not for competitive insecure reasons. Maybe they started a business because they saw this issue that was very personal to them and they wanted to fix it. It was not, not a fight. It wasn't a competition. In fact, some of the greatest businesses succeeded because there was no competition. And... It wasn't, the, the business wasn't started by somebody who was insecure looking for a fight. It was just somebody trying to solve an issue and make people's lives easier. 
So what if our life was like that? What if every day we woke up in the morning yet we we said, you know what, I'm going to spend this day making other people's lives easier. And where would the rewards come from that good karma? The people that we, spiritually speaking, the people we bless every day in our life, where would the good come from that? And, and how opposite is that of competing and waking up every day fighting? Competing is about control. Competing is about owning. It's about gaining more real estate in your life. It's about power and respect. So let's say you wake up, you're a sales guy, you, have, you respect yourself. And you say... I'm going to help other people. You're going to create better opponents. You're going to create opponents in your life that are going to make you better. And then, then they're going to make you, they're going to make you better. And then you're going to make them better. And then they're going to make you better. And then the world becomes a better place. And it's not really about competition. It's about giving the other guy a leg up. As soon as you give them a leg up, then they're going to somehow come back and give you a leg up. Because there can only be one guy on the top. And everyone is going to be just underneath that guy if they're helping each other. So, so in a sense, everybody wins. Um, yeah, that sounds a lot like collaboration to me instead of um, competition. Where, and and that's the thing. See, so when people talk about, it seems like people talk about competition, they're like, oh, no, I mean healthy competition. Well, to compete, by definition, you can use a different word, but if you're going to use the word competition to compete, by definition, that means that you are uh, looking to have superiority or dominance over another person by their defeat of some manner (laughs) so that's what competition is but if you are talking about um collaboration and see i I think people get and tell me what you think but i think people like the term competition the idea of it because i think it that's the pragmatic way to get better but i think there are some pragmatic and philosophical flaws to that. Now, if you're operating in the ego and that's where you operate from and that's where your power is at and so forth, then that's where you're at, you know, and that's what you do and that's what motivates you and that's what gets you up in the morning and that's um, how you operate and um, that's maybe what you need to do better. But I think beyond that, And I think what is healthy and good and the type of world we really want to be in is not, is not the war, not the battle. Like Fight Club says, we weren't born in an era of some great war. Um, Well, what about the idea of peace? People talk about peace, but do you really want peace or is that just boring? Um, What's going to be boring, as you said, to someone ego driven but um, I think that's of our higher nature. Our higher nature is really desire and peace. And I don't think that that's boring at all because I think that leads to creativity and it leads to teamwork and it leads to um, greater purpose and moving forward and innovation um, of evolution and all these things are we greatly desire that's why if we're in the ego we want competition is to get better but we get so much better um in the right way when we work together and you mentioned the salesperson um feeling good about himself or something like that and my immediate thought was well might feel good about himself because he's number one but since he's number two he's not going to feel good about himself unless he's a salesperson that's at peace with himself and at peace with others. And so the goal isn't to be better than somebody else. 
but it's to do the best as possible and do best as possible for and with others. I think that's true winning. Right. And the, <clears throat> if it's about ego, on the first of the month after you win, guess what? <laughs> you start over, right? in. <laughs> <laughs> We're all at the bottom together. <laughs> Yeah, you're all at the bottom together. <laughs> right. So it's ironic how if you go to the top, it's like you and I, we've talked about this a few times. If you go to the top, you find out there's just as many dysfunctional people as there are at the bottom in terms of wealth. You, you can find greedy people who are poor just as much as you can find greedy people who are rich and, you know, very, very, very insecure people. They have these idols. They they're more susceptible to these idols. They worship people, mere men or women, you know, they look up to them in, in an unhealthy level, they think, well, look at this person. Look how far they've come. Look how talented they are. Look at, you know, how, how rich they are. You know, you have this mentality of the idol. And what causes that is that it's a person's own insecurity. And so the idea that wealth solves problems, psychological problems, it, it, or, you know, it's not true. It doesn't necessarily, wealth doesn't necessarily solve psychological problems. In fact, sometimes it creates more psychological problems. Um, just as much as poverty can create psychological problems. You have to kind of pull us all down into more of an equal level because there's just as many alcoholics at the top as there are at the bottom. So what are we fighting for? Why are we fighting to get to the top? Why are we competing in, in, with this false mentality that somehow if we can just get, get there, get to this position that our problems are going to be solved? What's Who's to say that we don't create more problems? It's like that um, Black Eyed Pea song, you know, more money, more problems. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so... The best of both worlds is to be a psychologically healthy, wealthy individual. If you can have it all, that's the ideal situation. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, I think money is a tool. Um, it can be used well and wisely, or it can you be used poorly and foolishly. And I think that be, being truly rich and wealthy is everything together. Um, it's uh, good health. It's, it's wealth. It's good um, emotional. It's, um, it's uh, spiritually healthy. And, and it's uh, bodily health as well. I, I, I'm not sure if we talked about this, but I told somebody this. I heard somebody saying it's so true. Somebody said, yeah, well, somebody might put wealth as a number one thing in all of life, but they could have all the wealth in the world. They could be relaxing on a beach with beautiful women around with pina coladas. But if they have an extremely sore throat, they don't care about all that. All they want is their throat to feel better. Um, so I, I think... I think it's important to be well-rounded and, and, um, but I also think, and, and this, I mentioned this before, the science of getting rich, um, Wallace Waddles, he talks about how it is natural and a good thing for people to seek to become better. And, um, what he said was wealth helps people to do that. Now it's very interesting. And I think in general that is, and I think the reason we look at people who, didn't have wealth or gave up wealth and became better is because that's kind of the rarity. That's not the norm. It's usually wealth can be a tool 
to help people do things and become things and help other people more. Um, some, let me tell you this, because I hadn't heard this, but somebody said this, and I was wondering if, what your thoughts are. So I heard that um, Buddha, the original Buddha, became the Buddha only after he left his wife and child. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, he was a prodigal son. Well, yeah, I knew he was, that. And he was extremely he was, he, he was destined to be the next king, and right. his father was trying to keep him from seeing suffering, so he did. He just left it all. He had all this wealth. I guess and, he had a wife and child. I never thought of it in that way. I knew he left all the wealth, but I didn't think, oh, he left his wife and child. Well, yeah, and so, you know, that's the other interesting parallel to Scripture. Because there is a Bible verse that, that was a, we all kind of thought was a little insane in seminary, but it said, you know, unless a man is, is willing to leave, <laughs> it was like, wow, really? You know, to walk away from your own family um, or, you know, celibacy in the, in the epistles about, you know, not having a wife, walking away from this idea of having a wife and being celibate. So there's this mentality of being willing to walk away and and in losing yourself, finding yourself. And that's kind of the whole idea of Buddha. He, he thought he was going to go find some spirituality and he tried all these approaches and went to all these different spiritual leaders you know respected spiritual people and he tried all these different things and all he ended up was that you know malnourished fasting half dead person sitting under the Bodhi tree because <laughs> all of his his searches were all vain they they didn't return up any any secrets to life and so the whole bodhi tree picture which you see in a lot of uh yoga studios and you know spiritual new age practices you might see the, the bodhi tree it's like a symbolic thing um he did fight and, you know, his fighting led him to this position of nothingness, in a sense. He was just sitting there hungry, and and then all of a sudden it just hit him. But in that whole idea, he was hallucinating, probably from all of the abuse that he subjected himself to. He was hallucinating. And you know how in the Bible, Jesus was tempted by the devil three times? Um the same thing happened with Buddha. There's a whole story of him uh, being tempted. And uh, it's just freaking interesting, man. When you, when you start digging into these other religions, you start to realize the similarities. In other words, the, the whole idea of wrongness, I mean, there's only one reality. So you can put whatever words and whatever pages and books and and religions and everything else uh, you can put it all you can you can mask it with so many different things but underneath it all if you just take the mask off if you take the, away the books and if you take away the you know it all symbolizes something and and so I can't really walk into a, a, you know, for example, I can't walk into a Christian church or a Catholic church and say, you're wrong. I can't do that because there is a reality underneath it all. And I, I, that's not something that I even have the capability to deny. Who am I in, in relation to that reality, what's behind the words and the symbolism and the, you know, it. So, what are we fighting? I mean, a lot of times fighting is trying to like tell tell people they're wrong, or to to tell ourselves that our views are superior to others, and that's all part of that whole fight. 
you know, there's this competition factor. I, I remember running into some Jehovah Witnesses one day and they started talking to me and I said, you know what, this is no different than segregation. Segregation, you know, you put all, put one race in one school and another race in another school and then they, behind it all is which is better and, you know, because we're better, we don't belong in that school and it just doesn't even make sense. So what are we fighting? Are, are we fighting to be the superior in, in what? In our spiritual views and our, in our workplace? It, what if we all just looked at it, you know, like, like you were saying, spiritually speaking, what if we looked at it as a team effort to enrich each other, to, to not try to put labels on things and tell people they're right or wrong, but to actually put the, plant the seeds plant the seeds in people's minds um let people let other people plant seeds in our mind and and see where it goes and not be so quick not be so defensive not fight not be so quick to like put walls up and say uh get away from me i can't listen to you i'm not allowed to you know (laughs) that's all part of the fight every day that people face you, whether it's religion or politics, you see it going on. Whether it's business philosophies, family philosophies, you know, they're everywhere. And everyone's trying to say that theirs is better. And it turns into all these wars, which that's the other thing. There's wars on all, all around the planet, you know. One nation fighting another for what? I mean... It's all ridiculous. It's like I say, you look in, if you were able to look in from the outside and see the insanity, but we're all inside the fishbowl. We're so desensitized to everything. All we know is what we know. We wake up every day in the same world that we've, that's molded and shaped us. And so we don't know any different. And we're so desensitized that the madness, it's like that old 80s song. It's a mad world. (laughs) It's, it is a mad world. So let me ask you something, Josh. Or I'm sorry, you done make, or you done, I'm done. I don't want to, you finish, then I want to ask something. Oh, no, go ahead. I was finished. Okay, so we've kind of, uh, I was just saying, we've kind of talked about this a little bit. We talked about, you know, um, in Fight Club, uh, identity, and um, he was wanting to become Tyler Durden, smarter. Um, um, you know, better, a different, better version of himself. And and you mentioned how every day and become who we want to be. The problem is we hold on to who we have created. And so we're like always living, like every morning we wake up, it's a completely new day. And in one sense, we're a completely new person, but it's like we automatically bring this old person to us. Victor Frankl um, said that at every moment we have the opportunity to be a a new different person with all these opportunities that every moment, and in one sense we we maybe are momentarily, right? Or maybe we do act differently or think differently for a moment. Then we go back to this general way. And in this book that I read this past week, Make Your Own Damn Cheese, um, there was this idea, and I never understood what this was. It, it's the idea of a quantum leap where, and I don't know if you saw it, there was a show called Quantum Leap on television with Scott Bakula and this, this uh, the main character, he would, he would get into these different people. And so it would be him, but it would be these different people that he would like become. And so this book, I was like, oh, wow, the idea of a quantum leap is you, like suddenly really become a different person because, and it was very, this book was very interesting. It was about, it, it basically was about, you know, these, this one mouse who was trying to get out of this maze. Um, and so couldn't get out over it, couldn't get out through the walls, was trying to dig underneath this older mouse um, came and he took him to some other mice and they were trying to teach him. And so they were teaching about the conscious mind and the subconscious and the super conscious. 
And, and then at the end, and towards the end, there was this um, other mouse who, and it was about this idea of uh, kind of quantum physics and, and reality isn't the way you expect it. So this one mouse, he'd been there all along, but all of a sudden became visible. He like stepped out of the quantum realm. But um, the idea of all these mice had taken this quantum leap of have, being a completely different mouse, if you will. But then they took this quantum leap at the, at the end and like, by the way, talking to these younger mouse, you're not a mouse, you're a man. And that's why you have these abilities to do this. And it was hearkening back to that, the book, Who Moved My Cheese? The idea of which is, oh, you, you can't just sit in the same room your whole life. You have to go somewhere else to find the cheese, where the cheese is at. And, and the whole book is about make your own damn cheese. And you can because you're not a mouse. You're a man. You have the ability to create. Um, but this idea of this quantum leap, can, so I, I don't, I'm not saying you have the answer, but what are your, th what are your thoughts about, you talked about Buddha, you tried all these things. How do you, how do you make that quantum leap? How do you become a different person um, and then grow in that person? Or then maybe become a person, even a different person after that. If we have this ability, why don't we do it more? Why is it so rare? And how can we do it if we really want to? It's amazing thing is, look at movies like Eat, Pray, Love. Steps out of the illusion, leaves her husband, is gone. <laughs> look at, even in the Bible, Jesus saying, leave everything and come follow me. Steps out of the people, stepping out of the illusion. The, the apostles, you know, <laughs> or Abraham hears God's voice saying go or Buddha walking away from his family, you know, to go on his spiritual journey or, you know, the prodigal son in the Bible, um, it, doing everything wrong. I mean, literally taking his inheritance early and blowing it. And then he comes home a new man and his brother's jealous. Like he went and he blew all this money on horse. You just went quiet again. So the, the prodigal son comes back. Am I back? Yes. Uh, the prodigal son comes back, and he's a new man, and his brother's jealous. He blew all his money on alcohol and whores and, and did everything wrong and comes back a new man, and his father throws a party for him, and his brother's jealous. And so in the idea of Zen... There's this, we're born into this maze. We don't even see it. It's invisible to us. Then maybe one day we have one of those momentary quantum leaps and all of a sudden we see the maze. And we're like, why am I in this maze? There's, there's not, it's not even a maze. It doesn't exist. I've, I've invented it. It's a creation. It's a contract. What am I fighting for? Why am I fighting and why do I believe I'm in this maze? It's just a hallucination. There is no maze. And it's like you see people over time that one day wake up and they're like, there's no maze. I'm gone. There's no chains. I'm free. And, you know, maybe other people think they're crazy. Maybe other people, maybe other people that still see the maze, they're like, what are you doing? You're walking away from everything. What really? What is everything? It, you know, and, and so this idea that we, we convince ourselves of so many things and, and we create these, it's a fairy tale. We create fairy tales. Sometimes there are, there are relationships and we, we take them to a whole new level in our mind. And, uh, I don't know, man. I just look at it like you have to make that decision for yourself. I, I cannot live somebody else's life. Um, all I can say is at the end of your life, when you're having your own near-death experience, if it lines up with all of the testimonies that are out there, all the logs and 
all the recorded near-death experiences, you're going to realize that it was a maze, that it was a construct, that it was an illusion, that you were fighting yourself. And it was always you fighting yourself. You weren't fighting other people. You weren't competing against other people. You were trying to get to the point where you could look in the mirror every day and say, I'm okay. And But there was all this in the way. There was all these obstacles. You were saying, if only I can do this. If only I can accomplish this. If only I can arrive here. If only I could, you know, make this much money and succeed in, in this way, then I'm okay. And it was all about that. And then someday you're going to lay there taking your last breath and you're going to realize that most of it didn't matter. And you're going to feel yourself experiencing a kind of freedom that you've never had. And a peace as you drift out of your body. Because like you said in the beginning of this call, we're all souls. And this is only the, the proving grounds. This is only the purgatory that we all exist in. And, and we're fighting ourselves in this purgatory. We're not fighting God. We're not fighting other, other people. That's all, all just a product of the battle going on within us. And so the next time somebody cuts you off in traffic, you say, it's about them. It wasn't about me. That was not about me. That was about them. They're in a hurry. They're having a bad day. They have issues. They have needs. Why that was not about. Why me. do you think we're all in it using that language? Why do you think we're all in a battle with ourselves? Um, I, first of all, I believe that's why we're here. In other words, we don't. We the goal is to arrive at the place where there is no battle. That's true meditation. That's a true meditative state. It's like having a near-death experience before you even are on your deathbed. You wake up one day, you have that quantum leap, you make that, that, you know, you finally make it to that point where you're like, wait, wait a minute, what am I doing? And only then will the fight, will the fight end. So do you want to fight all your life? That's the question. Or do you want to fight? Or do you want to realize that the whole battle is just an illusion and you and, and, and one day you wake up and you finally say, I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm okay. And things don't have to happen this way. They don't have to happen at this speed. I'm okay. And maybe that's the beginning of true uh, growth in your life. Maybe that's the, the epiphany. Maybe that's the day you start your successful business. Maybe that's the day where your mind is clear of the battle and now you're able to truly think and accomplish something because the fight's over. There's no more fight. The fight was always an illusion anyway. So the day you stop fighting is the day you start making progress. So what you're saying is we are all apparently in a battle. The truth is there doesn't have to be a battle. Life isn't about a battle. It's about peace. And when we come to that realization, then we will be at peace, which is, you know, I'm thinking of from a certain perspective, which is it, which is our nature, which is what um, we were creating this life for um, to. I, I, I mean, there's still other questions that come like, well, why? Why is this the way it is? And those are some more fundamental foundational. And I, I of course, have my own. Um, beliefs and ideas about this um, and I think that's one thing that's important about philosophy and um, religion is that um, if they don't attempt or come to some understanding of why life is the way it is and then how to live in life the way it is and become better and become like our true nature it seems like all religions and philosophies are about that. Um, <laughs> and so, and many of them are very, very similar in different ways. Um, you know, from the Christian perspective, um, and it's, and, you know, it makes a, a lot, you know, it's very interesting. I'm thinking a lot about this um, because 
you know, my first like real religious experience was just very, uh, you know, you know, simple. And I think I've shared it with you with where the idea of heaven and hell became real to me in a sense of, you know, after you die. And I'd heard uh, enough to where that um, way. And then I um, had heard and been told that, uh, you know, that was the reason for Jesus' death, so that we could be at peace with God and, and go to heaven. But all I really knew at the beginning, okay, I'm going to trust Jesus. I didn't. I mean, and even while I was going through this thought process, this spiritual um, change or whatever, um, I, I was even like, oh, you know, because I, I, I told you I was like hearing this voice in my head and going through this, and, and I was like, who are you? What's going on? Jesus, just trust me. Just trust me. And finally, when I was like, okay, and I surrendered is when I, and I think I've told you this, experienced love and peace for the first real time in my life. Um, but it's been very interesting that um, recently I've been thinking a lot about that and everything that I've been taught or supposedly learned or other people have told me about um, Christianity or Jesus and so forth. Um, I've kind of, I was like, you know what? Nobody was there in the beginning. And so I need to listen to my own conscience. I at least need to listen to Christ. And people can have good ideas and so forth, but I need to be true to God and myself. And But within that, I completely... Um, it makes so much sense in the terms of why this world is like it is. And this, in terms of God created everything perfectly. And then there, there was sin that came into the world and that sin came in only because God created beings with a free will. And so, um, and, you know, even as I'm talking, I, I've been, and I think I'm, it's important, I think, to realize that we only experience things in a timeline. We only, we experience things right now in a, in a finite way, but God is infinite. And so he ex experiences all things at all times in the now. And well, the fishbowl mentality, God is outside of the fishbowl. You know, his name is Christ, the anointed one. He was the God man. He was able to see from outside. And, and that would be the true definition of an enlightened one. Somebody that could see, you see, cause there's still a battle. What, what made Jesus a forgiving, gracious person? He could see the battle that people were in, whether or not it's an illusion, it's still real. They believed it and their belief is what gave it power over them. And so the demons that possessed the prostitutes, the, you know, when he casted them out, you know, he was, uh, he was watching the battle. He saw the battle. And, and even though it wasn't real, even though they were fighting themselves, they were at war with themselves, their own inner demons were possessing them. He was able to forgive them because he understood what it was. He knew. And, and in much the same way, Every guru, every saint, and, and you know, every spiritual leader in, 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 our, in our world, in our time, they have all stepped outside of the bubble. They've all stepped outside of that fishbowl. And they were able to somehow, if, if in the Bible it was important for God to become, a, become one of us, they were able to become one of uh, where if we are a true enlightened spiritual being, we are able to become a part of somebody else's illusion. What is a psychologist? A psychologist is someone who sits and listens to somebody and identifies the illusion and steps inside the illusion and starts helping a person or 
what about the hallucinogenics that they're studying now to help people with anxiety and depression? Those hallucinogenics become tools to allow someone to step inside their own illusion where they can see their illusion. They can see themselves in the fishbowl or, you know, gurus, gurus have been known to be troublemakers. They, they understand people so well and they understand the illusion so well that they can mess with people. They can mess with their heads they can throw challenges at them, get inside of their world and rock it, rock their world until the, the suddenly the person is like, all, realizes this illusion they've been in. The guru basically exposed it. And, and so if we walk through life, if we deal with our own illusions, if we come to a point where we, we stop fighting, if we are okay like Adam and Eve in the beginning, so they were okay, right? Everything was everything was pure. Everything was okay. What was the illusion? The first illusion was when the serpent came and said, no, you're not okay. You're not okay as you are, as you were created. You're not okay. And that, that started the maze. That started the war. That started the competition, the fight. And, and it's, it's so interesting to just think about this. What's the purpose of prayer and meditation? Could it be to give yourself a moment to step outside of the battle, to step outside of the illusion? And, and it's why I re, I become a, a respecter of all religions. It's why I realized over time that the bad part of religion came from man, mankind. They, corrupted it uh and every every religion has corruption every every religion has bad churches and bad leaders and but that's that came from the that that's something that came from mankind it didn't come from reality reality is pure reality is okay the way it is but outside forces always come in and they 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 their ego and their power grabs destroy religions and they destroy truth and they replace it with illusions and it's all about controlling people and building empires and power and you know that's where that's the bad side of religion what if we talked about pain and pleasure next week because it seems like both of them have to do with people actually making quantum leaps being able to see outside the fishbowl it seems like there has to be either enough pain to where they become uncomfortable and realize, okay, I need to do, I need to get out of this pain or so much pleasure that you like to come in rapture. Like, wow. It's like, oh, wow. This is a completely different experience than my understanding of life. Like somebody has talked about how life is suffering and hard and everything. And then they come, they experience this amazing love and joy and peace. Then like, wait, this idea of life is not right. Hold on. (laughs) <laughs> i agree and then what about the the people the deniers you know you're hurting i can tell i'm not hurting my life's fine right and then you have those like in the in fight club when the, you know he's encouraged to sit with his pain and to not deny it and to feel it and fully experience it because it holds the answers yes i think we should talk about that next week let's do it by the way i was thinking about this and i didn't say it but because you were talking but i was thinking there are many great aspects about collaboration instead of competition in Fight Club. Even if you look at that, every single fight, there is no real winner. Even the it's like it doesn't matter. They're both joyous. They're both like this is awesome, and there's camaraderie to come. Not one like oh hey I'm better than you. And even Tyler Durden wasn't like yeah it was just like like complete humility like nope. Uh, this is about the birth. In fact, even told the guys, hey, if I come here, don't talk to me. Don't tell me things. And with those policemen, I come here, you take me out. It yeah. was about the mission, about the purpose. And it was about working together to actually achieve something, not about e- – it's almost egoless. So very – that was very interesting to me. Thinking and it didn't in those even matter. Yeah, and it didn't even matter what it was. It could be totally ridiculous. But if they – if it draw them together and it draw the draw them the draw them to collaborate, 
and it created a purpose. It didn't matter if it was even, you know, good or bad. It was just like, we're just doing something and we're, we're feeling and experiencing. And that was what it was all about. It wasn't even about, you know, reaching any conclusions necessarily. They just knew that they were all working together and it made them feel better. And that was the ironic thing about it. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's, so I guess let's talk about pain and pleasure, wherever that leads us, maybe in regards to transformation, I guess, and change. Sure. And we'll let the universe or God this week throw some things our way to test us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, hey, why don't you just be like Tyler Durden and give us homework assignments? (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. I love you, bro. I love you too, brother. Have a great week. You too. Bye.